I looked up uh, January the 16th, 1983, because that was the day that God told me to start a church. 39 years, four months, and 27 year days ago today. Like, life is uh, short and long and all kind of stuff. Well, I can't believe that. I was looking at that painting that I had played with. You can't see it on the back wall, but it's like an icon. Like these, the icons in this room, if you were in this room, are on loan from uh, Clay Row, and they are, let's see, what is that? One, two, what am I missing? Some. Uh, oh, there's, yeah, there's one back there, and then there's one over here. These are the four most famous icons in Christendom. So I decided I would take a partial icon, and then I would do a make up something. And the only reason I'm saying that is I was um, over there talking to some people and thought, I wonder where I painted that. And I, and I zoomed in on the date because I could, it's up on the wall. It's 2015. It's like seven years ago. Now, maybe y'all don't go through this, but I, I'm kind of like, I feel some, like Rip Van Winkle. Sometimes I, I kind of come to myself and go, how did I get to be 70? How, how did this happen? You know, it's like, so does this, like, do you all have stuff like that that you kind of come to? Okay, that helps. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to do some verses, and then I, I'm, it may end up being so long that we just might, I don't know, we'll see what we get to. Now, I've got my Bible as a New American Standard, but I'm going to... I was having discussion with Liz and Jamie a little bit earlier about Hebrew and, and about then about uh, Greek. And, you know, the New Testament is written in everyday Greek, they, what they call it, Koine Greek. It has 100,000 words in it. That's a pretty vast vocabulary. Now, if you go to Hebrew, the Hebrew, the Jewish people, only have a vocabulary of 10,000 words. So that's like 10 to 1. So you have, you can see why they repeat and they do different things in Hebrew. It's because they don't have a lot of choices of words. But when you get to the Greek, the problem kind of becomes is the Greek word could have a lot of different meanings and in situations. So it's like, I've never been to Hawaii, but I hear that the word aloha has about seven or eight different meanings to it, depending on the situation. So that if you and I were to come up by ship or get off of an airplane. Someone might bring us a lay of flowers and go, aloha, meaning hello, right? But if you were leaving town, they might say aloha, meaning goodbye. So it's got a lot of different, uh, one time I looked up and it does. It's like got a lot of different choices. So <laughs> help God. This is where that part uh, I like to teach about people and, and kind of freeze frame them in the Bible and then kind of learn from that. So when I do sort of like a, I guess this is like a little bit of a short word study kind of thing, and I'm hoping I don't get lost here. That's just my personal, probably shouldn't have told you I'm concerned that I'm going to get lost, but I've gotten lost before. That's only why I would have concern. So, uh, Okay, Lord, our desire 
is to know you better. You sought us out while we were still rebels. You convicted us that we were rebels and that we were at odds with you. And in that conviction, you also let us know that you care about us and that you loved us and that you wanted a relationship with each of us, a personal relationship with us. And it's an ongoing relationship. We're learning about you through interaction with you, through interaction with each other, just being alive. We ask you to further that this morning. Meet each of us where we are. You have a word for each of us today. It may have nothing to do with the verse we're reading. We need you. We need you. If we only knew how much we needed you, we would realize we're desperate. If we knew how great you were, we would be in awe of you. Unspeakable awe. Awe that doesn't have language. How could it possibly be that the creator of all things wants to know us? One friend had written on Facebook the last day that they felt like an ant. They had a photograph of bunches of people from overhead looking down on this plaza, and they were all just like little human ants. We feel like that sometimes. And then you became one of us. You weren't far off. You were close. You showed us through example how you love people, how you care about people, how you're interested in people. And then you made payment with your own life for us that you would have a family of brothers and sisters that we would be with you forever even when we say forever we don't comprehend what that word means thank you for your presence I can sense your spirit here thank you Lord thank you Holy Spirit speak to us So the writer of Hebrews has got this chapter that's a lot to do with faith, and it's something that we need in our culture and any culture in the world currently. Cultures need it all the time. But we, we, could, uh, we could use this. If you talk to anybody, I'm talking to people at a gas pump Monday, and we got a whole discussion going as we were pumping our vehicles with gasoline and a price that we weren't used to. 
And then we knew if we went inside the Shell station and we bought anything, it would cost more than it did the week before. And majority of Americans don't have extra income coming in that goes up as the need for things to go up. And so we can apply some of this to that to any situation. Now, I'm going to read first what the New Americans says, see how this goes. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval, and by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that when what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Does that just sound like a bunch of words to you? I mean, it can. Uh, I've read it so many times that it's not very fresh. I, so I started going looking at the Greek, uh, and, and every one of their words had all these different meanings. So I, I picked some of them. So here is kind of parts of this. Now, faith is the substance where the word had been assurance right there in this translation. It also can mean assurance, I mean substance. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for or of things expected. I can already see that I can't work my notes in because each word has got a sentence down below it. And it's already growing cold as I go look at it down the page, Jamie. Um, Faith is the substance of things expected. The evidence of things not seen. So let's break that down a little bit. Sometimes we, we talk about faith and we talk, start talking to each other or I listen to two people talking about faith. And it occurs to me that where they are in that moment in time is they're having faith in faith. It's not the faith in somebody. It's faith in faith. You hear him say it all the time. I probably said it. If you just had enough faith. It's not having, it's what you have the faith in that counts. You know, if you just had enough faith in in the Coca-Cola company, well, you'll probably put on weight. You'll probably stay up because it's got caffeine and sugar. Eh, You know. Or then there's a diet version, or then there's Coke with cherry, and then there's other things, or you could mix it and with different things, and it's like, have you ever you ever do this? You ever think about? Yeah, and faith, and, and your faith about stuff, about people. You have you have more faith in some people than you do in, in other people that you know. So the, the writer of Hebrews is, has got this in here for a reason. It's the substance of things expected. The substance of things.
substance, a support, a steadfastness, literally the underlying of something. So, so faith has something that it's built on, something that's hoped for, something that's expected. Now, what's it, it's expected? It's um, it hopes for the conviction of things not seen, or the evidence of things not seen. Expected, actively weighing. You and I have faith in someone and we have so much faith in this someone that we have an expectation of something's going to happen. I would guess that I don't know how many. I'll just say all of you. That way I can't miss. But I would say that all of you know him to the point that you have expectations that he can do a lot of things. And because you believe he can do a lot of things, you spend some of your energy talking to him about things. If you didn't believe it, you wouldn't talk to him. You might write a letter to the president of the Coca-Cola company, Karen, if you thought Coca-Cola could do whatever it is you want to do. I mean, we make contact with whoever we think has really got power to do something. If there's, if there's a big pothole, you get in touch with somebody that's on the, if you can, you try to find out who can I contact about this pothole because I keep tearing up one of my tires. You're, you're looking for somebody with power to do something, right? We're, we're, we're about to have a new mayor. So all these people are running for mayor, and they're basically saying, I can get it done, whatever it, it is. And that's just one thing. We had people running for the sheriff's office, you know. And now we're going to have the same sheriff again because that's how people voted. All I know is his sister was running uh, a building next door, renting it from Tracy, and uh, she was over there all the time, and I got a free T-shirt to the sheriff, which I've used. I cut the sleeves off so that it would be cooler, but, you know. But the back, you know, it's got his name on it and all that stuff. And he called me by name a few times out in the alley when cars were blocked in. <laughs> and, and he's friends with Lanny Handy, who I do know. So it's like, so, so my friend Lanny Handy knows the sheriff and so the sheriff, you know, it's like. I don't know what I'm talking about next, but I can feel God in the room. So, okay. So some of y'all are in touch with God. Or maybe you're just praying for me a lot for a minute. 
evidence of things not seen. That's kind of hard. That's what we want, right? I mean, we want to have evidence of something, of someone we can't see. I've, I've gotten to see so far in life a number of times of when I would talk to someone out there about something and it seemed to be that I had made contact with them because whatever I had been praying about it had changed so that gave me a little bit more faith in this person out there and so the next time I prayed about something else maybe nothing happened that time that I could see didn't mean he wasn't listening it just I didn't see anything else that next time but then the next time I prayed about something something happened so now I've got two experiences of we are not alone there's someone out there and then as I read the stories collected in the Bible so far the way things happen with them and this someone out there my examples are like that they're not as big as these are but they're in that direction some of them are pretty interesting Now, it says because people have applied this in the past, verse 2 says, For by it the men of old gained approval, or they obtained a good testament. Men or women. So, they had faith in him. They put, their, they put their hope, they put their communication with him. They were convinced that there's someone out there, someone listening. They acted on it, and in that, they ended up having a personal story, a testimony. So if we all sat around in a big circle in this room, and even those who were watching... If we, if we sat around, we could start telling our stories, our testimonies of interactions with that someone out there. And before very long, something happens. As you hear each other's story, your own trust in God, your own faith in his faithfulness increases. Because I know that girl over there sitting on the sofa. I know a lot of her life story. I know of things that have happened when she's talked to God. So I know a lot of your stories. We encourage each other. Because we share these stories. 
verse 3. For by faith, we understand that the worlds, that's what the New American says, but it's, it's more like the word ages. It's more like the ages of time of different things going on in the universe. We're moving along in the ages that stretches into eternity. That's, that's a lot for that word worlds there, but, but that's what the Greek means. It's that by faith we understand that the ages were prepared by the word of God. We just flippantly, not flippantly, but it's, it's hard not to feel like that way to me. When we say, and God said, let there be light. You ever tried to look into that just a little bit? I mean, like, okay, so this create this other who is not like, well, we're enough like him, we can have relationship and all that. But but this this creator being has the ability to communicate into nothing. And just by the fact that he chooses for there to be light. It happens. Something with his interaction with time space. Okay. I can see I'm not doing a very good job of this. Let's say that I had a wooden panel that was put together out of splats of wood and I had oil paint and I was... I was pretty good at oil painting stuff, and so that I, I decided I would paint a portrait of this person that I chose to be my model, and so I started painting this little portrait, and it's about this big I did on this panel, and when I got through with it, uh, I said, you know, I need to give it a name. I think I'll call it uh, the, hmm, well, Mona. Okay, the Mona Lisa. Now, the other day, a person decided that they wanted to be famous, and so they dressed up like a woman, a guy, in a wheelchair, and he had in his lap a cake. And so he was in the wheelchair, and there were guards nearby, and he, he went up to the Mona Lisa and threw a cake at her, hanging on the wall. And they, of course, they got him, and then they, somebody got the cake off. The picture I saw, there was still cake that had slid down the Mona Lisa. This really happened, you know, the other day. Um, why am I telling you this? Why am I making this one up about Mona Lisa? <laughs> Don't know. What? I was trying to say that I had made something. I had some wood, I had some paint, I painted a portrait. Okay, my name's Da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci, you know, I make this painting, I experiment with it. Turns out pretty well, it's pretty interesting. Eh, it's hanging in the Louvre. So the parallel is, I'm God. And I've decided, I've got this idea. I want to make something 
where there's nothing. So I go, hmm. <laughs> I don't know if he's talking to himself. I don't know if he waved his arm. I don't, I don't know. He just, there's a universe, an expanding place that's expanding. And we're in a galaxy in that. And we're on the spiral arm of the Milky Way galaxy where we live. We're spinning, and it takes so many years to go around, you know, and, and all this. And we're on this little planet called Earth around a little, a little sun that's 93 million miles away. But they call it Sol. You know, there's some other planets with us. And we're all going around this little sun. We're going around our little place in our little part of this galaxy, of this Milky Way of millions and millions of stars, like our little yellow star. By faith, we understand that the ages were prepared by the word of God. Just, just him communicating so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. I, I can't grasp that. So what is seen... Molecular things. What I see to a telescope or small, whether it be big or be small, what I see was made out of invisible or non-existent according to stuff. I'm not going to say, do you have a question? Because <laughs> you probably do. I, I have a question. Verse, how about four? Let's do some illustrations. That's what the, that's what the Hebrew writers trying to put across to this crowd. God made the universe out of nothing. Okay, and he has plans every so often he does stuff and he does it with people and if you and I were listening as he goes through these stories being good Jewish people they would all go oh yeah I love that story oh that story I don't understand that one they they're going along but the awareness would be coming to those that were reading this or hearing this being read to them like there it's not much of a leap to get from there is a God, he cares, he makes things out of nothing, he made me and you, he might do something tomorrow with you and me that he's not done before. And here are some illustrations of things that he does. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than his brother Cain. And we know what happened, you know. Cain killed Abel. Though which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he's dead, he still speaks. Yeah, that's sad. But, yeah, we have a little tiny story here. One, one brother upset with the other brother because one's was accepted and his wasn't. 
about verse 5, by, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he would, he would not see death. He was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was please, pleasing to God. Isn't that a wild story? That he was walking around down here, and God just decided he would take him, step over into eternity with him. It's in Scripture. So the Hebrew writer is building up to verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now the hard part is, even though those are true, Sometimes it doesn't work out the way we're wanting it to work out. I mean, in that, are you like me? It's like, it doesn't always go the way I was hoping it would go when I started talking to him about something. Sometimes I talked to him and I wanted to go that way and it went completely the other way. And in true confession, that's pretty bad I'm not sure if it going exactly the opposite direction is worse, better or worse, than him not answering at all. I talked to him. The phone's dead on the other end. I talked to him again. Phone's still dead. I talked to him three or four more times about this because it's like important to me. Seems important to me. Phone's still dead. So now I talk to him about something else. You ever talk to him about something else and it had to do with the mail or something? I mean, whatever this was, it, was, it, it could be affected, the, the outcome could be affected by you getting something in the mail and you get something in the mail that day and you realize that it was mailed two weeks before. So you're going, okay, wait, wait, now I talked to you about this because after all, Time space is just a construct, and so you knew I was going to talk to you about this today. So then, when the mail came at what, five o'clock today, here was the answer to something that you couldn't have possibly just did you just make that up in the mailbox today? Did it just poof show up? Because otherwise, you, are you just messing with me? Do you know y'all have this kind of? You do. You just don't want to talk about it. It's been a long time since I've felt my breath and laid on the floor and kicked, you know. But I know that circumstances could show up, and even at this age, I could have a moment like that. I'd probably do it differently. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness 
which is according to faith. It's a really good story, him and the animals and the boat and the people and the family, them all floating around and ending up on a mountain and all this stuff. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which, which he was to receive for an inheritance. Remember, he, God takes him and shows him all this. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. God just said, go. Okay. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise. He wasn't a local resident. He was living there, though. And as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jake, you know, his son and his grandson, and they were all living in tents. Fellow heirs of the same promise. He had, God had said, it's for you and your, those coming after you. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. It didn't happen in his lifetime. It didn't happen in his son's lifetime. It didn't happen in his grandson's lifetime. His grandson had some kids. Pretty soon we're getting on down to Moses and them. They're leaving Egypt and they're going off to the promised land and they're seeing it from a distance they get in trouble Moses doesn't even get to go in he gets to go up on the mountain and look at it do you have something that you've been waiting for for a long time maybe you feel like God's just totally forgot that you've got this out there. But he hasn't. It's just as fresh to him today as it was the first time you said it. Verse 11, by faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who was promised who had promised therefore there was born even of one man and he as good as dead at that as many descendants as the stars of the heavens in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore all these died in faith without receiving the promises but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And if indeed they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return, but as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, 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 God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The very fact that you are holding on to things that you have placed before God you're not pouting with him about it and you're not you're in a child and you know you're 
you're not satisfied, you still got it, you still want, you're asking him. That's meaningful to your father. That says, without it being answers, that says that you believe him. That you believe he's listening. That he cares. Right now in this country, there's, a, there's numbers, probably thousands, that have great need. Some of them are coming before God. Some smaller number, it's being answered. Or maybe a larger number, I don't know. And others are not being answered right there. And it's causing suffering. But God has heard them both. God's not, not through caring. What do we do? We listen to each other. We hear each other's needs. We identify with each other's pain. If we've got a tender heart, it makes you cry. You, you, some of y'all know Victor. He's a he's a, a black man that's really talented, really good jazz pianist. He has a little Yamaha electric piano that he continually has to put it. Um, at a pawn shop. Yeah, pawn, pawn it. He got it out yesterday. And I was working in the building, and I hear this beating on the door, and it's Victor. Being the gracious pastor I am, I sighed and went to the door and unlocked the door. And Victor talked about his need for some more gasoline. I think I had a dollar or two in my pocket. I go, well, this will buy you, I don't know what, a third of a tank, third of a third of a gallon or something. This is all I got. But he had his keyboard under his hand because he'd just gone to the pawn shop. He said, I got a new tune. You do? I thought, if I let him come inside, I don't know how long this is going to be because... We can have very long times together. So I decided I'd go outside. So he and I are sitting on the sidewalk in the shade, thank goodness. People are walking around us, and he's playing his tune. It's a really good jazz piece, you know? And he looks up just like he's a performer. I don't know why. He just looked up at me from the keyboard on the sidewalk. He's crossed his leg. He's laying... He's playing it. It's really good. He's put rhythm with it and, and some bass lines and all this stuff. And look at me like... Just like he's on television. It's just me, but I'm the whole audience, you know. Well, now I've sat down on the concrete with him. You want to hear another one? Okay. I did my best to not like, uh, that was good, Victor. By the time he's paid, played like four songs, sometimes he writes words. Some, they're good. He says, you know, one of these days I'm going to, one of these days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some money. I'm going to give you some money, and I've made money on this. Do you, do you have, I, no, we don't have that yet. We'd like to have what you want, you know, to, I mean, so we could do that. I went from feeling irritated 
to going, that's really good jazz, to going, I wish I owned a restaurant. I wish I, wished I could... I, just, I wish he was... I wish he was in Quebec. Up in Quebec, they have uh, subways, like, you know, other cities. And because it's so cold, there's access to all the stores. You can get all over Quebec and not ever have to get out in the snow. They let musicians and people set up all, all throughout the subway system. And the only thing is you can't beg. They put them out something. They are, some of them are just great. And what's interesting is you, as you walk down the side waiting on the next subway train, the, the music coming from this person is starting to blend over with this trumpet player that's playing a few, you know, another station down, but you can hear it bouncing through the, through the tunnel. And all I could think about was, I wish I could take Victor to Quebec. He could make some money. I don't know why he doesn't, why he sleeps in his car. I said, you, you, you put the keyboard in the trunk, don't you? Yeah, 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 huh, good, yeah. He says, well, I got a little bit. Of don't take, don't put your money. We're out here on the sidewalk, okay? Don't, don't do that. I hugged him. I said, I'm so glad you stopped by. It wasn't true 15 minutes before, but it was by then. He's getting under my skin. I really care about him. How does this happen? Yeah, because we're God's kids. And if we are his kids and, and we're not real always, you know, we're, we don't put on, do our godliest best. But even in our semi-brokenness, whatever, we have good moments. There's moments when that child of God part of you comes out. And I can only imagine that Jesus is like, that's my kids. They're acting just like me. I think the writer of Hebrews, I mean, I wasn't there, but when you read all that, it just makes you more like any minute he may give you something to do. Any moment could be 39 years, 4 months, 27 days ago at Meadowbrook in the prayer room where I had no idea what he was about to say, which was, I want you to start a church. And I said, I can't pastor or preach. 
And he said, that's not what I said. And it felt like I'd taken a Valium. But all of a sudden, I was just, ooh, mellow, man. And then it lifted away. And it all just took place in a few seconds. And I got to talk to me. I didn't make this up. This is what I do with this. I made appointments with, with people across town. I went to Pentecostal pastors. I went to Baptist pastors. I went to friends. Told it over and over and over. One of them said, maybe you should go to seminary. One of them said something else. One of the, the different pastors had different things. And in the end, I was still like holding this. You know, it's like, thank you very much. What am I going to do with this? So I wrote this John Wimber. And this John Wimber wrote a letter back in two weeks. Just a few sentences. I don't even know where it is. I need to find it. And he says, I'm going to be at the Belmont Church in Nashville. Why don't you come by and we'll talk. And we did. And I told him, well, you may not want me, but I'm adopting you. <laughs> and he told Steve Collins, who was helping, he just taught on healing and all this stuff. And he told Steve, he says, give this young man 100 cassettes. So Steve says, give me your address and I'll send you a little catalog we have of stuff. And so Steve did. That summer I got 100, cassette, 100 things. And in that 100, one of them was the Lion Frisbee on Mother's Day 1980 coming to the vineyard. The hippie that turned them upside down because he called the Holy Spirit. And he had everybody over 25, I want you to stand on this side of the gym. Everybody under 25, stand on this side. Okay, so all you that are over 25, would you mind sticking your arms out and bless those under 25? They did. The Spirit fell on all the young ones. It was bedlam. Hundreds and hundreds of young people got saved that summer because they became fanatics. You are not safe. You're not safe. Fifteen minutes from now, he might tell you to start a church. He might tell you to go to another country. He might tell you... I don't know what he might tell you. He's not a tame lion, as it says in Narnia, you know. <laughs> Aslan is, you know, he's not tame. He might do whatever he wants to do. C.S. Lewis was giving a good illustration of who God is in those kids' stories. You are a child of God Almighty, the Most High. Your father is the creator of all things. Your older brother is seated at the place of all honor. And he's turned to your dad and said, send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has come to be with us always as a teacher and a guide and a counselor and a comfort. You are not alone. And you're part of a vast family those that have gone before and those that are alive now and those that will yet to be born. And, the day, and we're heading toward the, a great... moment 
of all of us being in the same place at the same time before the Ancient of Days. Before Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, Offspring of David. Oh, just... Just got to get through the next few minutes. And then after those, the next few minutes. And we'll just do this a minute at a time until we step over into eternity. Or until Dad says to him, and he's the only one that knows, until he turns to Jesus and says, it's time. Go finish this up. It's on the calendar. The days, the hours, the minutes are clicking off. We need your empowerment, Holy Spirit. We ask you, whoever's batteries are low today, that you will charge them up with your presence right now in Jesus' name. If anybody's hearing this and that they are uh, grown weary and doing well, encourage them. Encourage us to press on to keep showing up, to be listening, to be watching, to know that the God of the universe knows each of us personally and at any moment may give us an assignment that takes the rest of our life to complete, which is perfectly fine. We bless you on this Lord's Day. In Jesus' name.